hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. All right. Well, Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Man, we got a special show for you today. Uh, we have Eddie Anderson Jr. with us again. Uh, we, we decided I, I wanted to bring him back and talk a lot about um, uh, Eddie's, his dad's, Eddie Anderson Sr., <laughs> his first appearances, both at, on the Jack Benny Show and as Rochester, and Eddie agreed to come and talk about those, and I, th I think we're going to have a good time. So this first one that we're going to be talking about today is... Um, Eddie's very first appearance on the Jack Benny show. And he's not playing Rochester, he's playing a, a train porter. And still, you still get a feel for what would eventually become Rochester. But it's interesting that some of the differences too. Eddie, uh, was there anything that stood out when you listened to this episode? Uh, that Anything that surprised you? Or I know you've heard it before probably in things, but um, go ahead if you've got anything. Um, you might have to remind me because I watched a few things. Yeah. So is that when he called him Mr. Bunny? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, That's one of that his first was, lines, calling Mr. Bunny. I, th yeah, I don't even think he called, I think, I don't even think we have him the very first time calling him Benny. I think it's calling him Bunny. Yeah. He said, yeah, thank you, Mr. Bunny. <laughs> and, uh, Jack said, my name is Benny. He said, Pop said something about, well, it is Easter. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? so yep. that was bold yeah Again, I, I just i love the boldness yes. you know uh, uh the challenge the risk you know uh in my uh journey of, of theater arts my professor would always tell me you have to take the risk that's right you have to take the risk. So that always stuck in my head. And I think the, that whole show was what it was because with what we keep saying over and over is breaking barriers. Yeah. So yeah. it's the risk. I, I know I sound like a broken record sometimes, but I just, I'm always, hey, my father, when I was younger, he bought me a Superman suit. Okay? Yeah. You feel me? So that in itself, psychologically, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like telling you, you're my hero. Yeah. You get it? Go yeah. on and take the risk. Mm -hmm. Take it. Don't believe in barriers. What the whole Superman thing was what? It was taking the risk. That's breaking right. down what? Barriers and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's what stood out to me. Yeah, that, that bold statement calling somebody a different name. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yes. And then when you were questioned, like, what did you say? Yeah. You would, you would think a person would go back and say, "No, I, I'm sorry, I meant Mr. Benny." Yeah. No, he said, "Hey, it's Easter. Yeah, what, what else am I going to call you?" <laughs> so well, and, that's and, uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, Eddie, you were pointing out something earlier about uh, his voice. Uh, why don't you tell us what the surprising thing we'll find out about his voice in this episode? Um, go ahead, Eddie. You can. Yeah. Uh, upon viewing uh, that particular episode, uh, which was somewhat of a 
a new discovery or surprise to me as well. Uh, and you really brought it uh, to the forefront, uh, Daryl, uh, by sharing some information. And I was listening to his voice on that show, and I was like, that sounds like his real voice. You know, and what I remember is the Jack Benny show being on television, but of course, radio is before my time, yeah. me being 25 right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm sounding like Jack Benny. I'm <laughs> Jack. I just realized that. <laughs> we might actually believe 39. I don't yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't believe Jack either. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm listening, and that was really interesting hearing the choice that he had made with his voice and, and the way he was uh, projecting uh, the whole, uh, the articulation, everything was so much different than the television version. Correct. And he was very subtle on the train, very somewhat reserved. Yes. I didn't hear the whole, yes, what are you doing? You know, I didn't hear that, that aggressiveness yes. and, and shortness. Very funny, very funny. But, oh my God, the choice they made to transition. Uh, first of all, the chemistry worked on the show, period, because from what I've heard, They've got a lot of fan mail just based on that show. Yes. And boy, did they send the show to the moon when they were able to spin his character. So what, what it does to me, you see the deterioration of this new stuff. When you see the chemistry that they had and the wholesomeness and and just the quality, man, they were so ahead of their time. It almost seems like we're going in reverse <laughs> in a bad way. Of right. No, you I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that, it, it was nice to hear all of that. Boy, but if I had a choice, if I had a magic wand, I'm sorry. I think I would like to go back. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, everybody gets so much out of, Jack Benny show and the, and the shows of that era. Yes. You know, they had something. They really did have something. And my hat goes off to Jack Benny for even taking such a risk to have a black man that close to him at that particular time. That was insane. I mean, superhero yeah, at his finest. Absolutely unheard of, right? I mean, it, yeah. nobody else had anything like that. That's the closest I mean. thing we had to it was like Amos and Andy that are a bunch of white guys acting like they're black and That's doing these I, over, way over the top stereotypes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, and I love that they didn't do that at all with his character. I mean, yeah. it would have been an easy thing to write it that way and think, oh, that's what America's used to is this Amos right. and Andy overblown right. thing. And they didn't do it. He, he yeah. gives a very subtle perform more subtle than he i mean he'll give more outlandish performances as he goes but they right. won't be stereotypical or anything right. they, just, they just become more um 
characterized or whatever where he starts yeah. to develop this character right. at this point he doesn't have the character but he's got the jokes that they throw in for him Absolutely. and the comments and so we get a little bit of that we get a flavor right. of it and then it'll they'll fine-tune it as they go you know it almost seemed like if you can relate to this it's almost seemed like okay we're the best of friends behind the door right right we're the best i mean even in the show that's what they're portrayed Yes. Like we have a bond like nobody else. But when we go on the outside, we do realize the resistance. So we're going to play this role the whole uh, you have your job, Rochester, and I have my job to do. Right. Let's go on and do what society wants us to do with this. Yes. But once we go behind the closed doors, it's like, hey, Jack, can you fix me a sandwich? It's my day yeah, off. Right. Right. You did it. You see what I mean? And Jack might say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. They're watching TV together. Yep. The New Year's show, both of their feet on the coffee table. Are you kidding me? Do you understand back to those days? Right. That's insane. That's insane. So what a groundbreaker. Right, correct. And we're going to, uh, on one of the episodes we're going to bring uh, today, the, the last one I threw in, I don't even know if you got a chance to watch it, Eddie, or not, but to me, I just couldn't not bring that episode because it, in the same vein that you're talking about um, uh, breaking some barriers and things, it has a scene in there that I just thought, my goodness, how would you ever see this? So we'll we'll get to that, sure. we'll revisit that when we get to that episode and, and we'll talk about it. And whether you've seen it or not, I can describe it and, and we'll get your input on that. I think that'd be interesting. And we just had John Henderson that popped in as Hi. well. Hey, John. And I don't know if hey. I mentioned, we have Kathy Fuller-Sheely here too. So, so we, we've got our whole little group. And John, just so you know, we're talking about the first appearance of Rochester, not Rochester, of, of Eddie Anderson on the Jack Benny show before he was Rochester when he was the train porter. Right, and, yeah. Uh, and I think this episode is so interesting in so many ways. I'm going to bring up something that's not... Uh, rochester related for a second that just always floors me in this episode that it just like you would think the sponsor or the censors or somebody would have said wait let's let's change this um there's a there's there's a whole little piece about where jack says to mary oh i want to get a magazine uh what magazine do you want or whatever and he's like oh give me the nudist magazine and and then and I thought, okay, all right, that's that's pushing that's pushing more than Jack Benny usually does on his show on, on some sort of risque area. But, but I'm just expecting Mary to give him a hassle about it and not get the magazine or get him something else. But she goes and buys the nudist magazine for him, gets in the nudist magazine, and then they even make a joke about him having to have you know they should have uh, tinted glasses or something because some of it is pretty. Uh, you know they're implying that some of it is pretty graphic or whatever and i just thought wow that's a really different thing this episode to be playing on that piece but i love the these train episodes are so great and this one the first one with eddie is, is so like just wonderful to hear him in this um the other piece i was going to ask about or mention and i have some thoughts on it is that uh supposedly the story is when there was casting for this episode, they looked at 500 different black actors, supposedly, to, 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 and then they decided to go with Eddie. The thing is, do we, do, 
I cannot believe that for a part like this, it's not that big of a part. I mean, it builds over time into a great big part. And maybe maybe they were thinking ahead that far, but I kind of doubt it. I really think that that's probably an exaggeration. Um, but here's what I think could have happened. I think very easily they could have called up, you know, the talent agency and said, how many black actors do you have? We were looking for a black actor to do this part. And they're like, well, we got about, I don't know, we got about 500 of them probably. Well, who would you suggest? Oh, well, Eddie Anderson is is the guy because he's in, uh, I was telling Eddie earlier that I was going to mention how many films the, he was in. Does anybody, do any of you guys know how many films Eddie Anderson was in in like 1936, 37-ish time frame? Kathy? Um it's a little hard to count because so many of the parts were uncredited. Yes. You know, so um, I, I think, it, you know, it might've been a dozen walk-on parts, yep. but that was not all he was doing. Eddie was also very active uh, in nightclubs mm -hmm. at this point, mm -hmm. uh, both the, the sort of uh, fancy, uh, both on Central Avenue and uh, uh, the, the ones, uh, you know, the, the fancy white nightclubs and the fancy, sort of mixed audience ones of uh, from Central Avenue. So he was trying to get, you know, he had a very full schedule. He was of, everywhere. Of working. Yeah. You and, know, yeah. so. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say, you're, you're right on there. He does about a dozen films a year in 36, mm -hmm. 37, 38. At 39, he starts to pull back, but he gets bigger films. I mean, certainly in 39, right. he was in Gone with the Wind. That's about as big as it gets. So, uh, yeah. but so, so the guy's a working uh, actor for sure uh, as they're getting him for this role so I, I have a feeling that they just said oh we, we'll we'll see if Eddie's available and it's like great and then they can honestly say yeah we kind of looked at 500 different people because that's how many the talent agency represents but in reality it's a lesson. and it might have just been photos yeah exactly <laughs> who knows that how much work they're oh, yeah. put into this i don't know how much photos help you with casting for a radio show but yeah, <laughs> he looks good Let's use this yeah. guy. <laughs> but uh john um wh what are your thoughts yeah on that? I, I think you're right like you can tell he's already a professional yes his performance is better than the part itself yes agreed. and especially having you know heard so much of rochester through the years and you know getting to know his his delivery and things like that and then when you hear the first episode you can hear the rochester you know already in this porter character yeah i do think that the writing is a little bit leaning on stereotypes a lot more than it would later on like this yes. line where he says i'm so lazy i'm just like step and fetch it you know it, it kind of seems like Rochester is sort of that bridge between the these stereotype characters like Step and Fed shit and then what you would eventually get to by the 60s 70s like you know Lou Rawls or whatever like Rochester slowly makes that transition from one to the other as far as the parts that he can get or the the dialogue that he can get yeah. as that character and it essentially uh, had yeah. to be the path that he had to follow there was no other path they couldn't exactly. all of a sudden have him be this character that that was unheard of for a black person so they had to sort of create it and so he, he has to slide through the stereotypes and they they start dropping the stereotypes and start building the relationship between he and jack and and but a lot of that i feel like is 
is the fact the strength of his personality it comes right through in every yes. in every time that he's speaking yeah and it, it was very organic exactly yes you, you know what i mean you yeah. saw it i mean no gmos man no <laughs> yeah but, I, I, kathy and john were you guys are struck by i was now that you know eddie and you've heard eddie's talking voice already eddie jr to how much eddie anderson his father sounds like him in these early episodes there, he's not doing the Rochester over-the-top voice, and Eddie was mentioning that before you came, John, but but I was just really struck by I'm just going, man, it sounds like this is a recreation we did with Eddie Jr. <laughs> <laughs> more, than, more than it does actually his dad, so but I don't know if that struck anybody else, but that struck me. Yeah. Oh, very familiar. Yeah, yeah. What did you think, John? Did you Could you see the, the connection uh, with Eddie I Jr.? I didn't notice that. But, uh, I, you know, I, I definitely noticed the similarity in their voices. Like, I re-listened to the last yeah. one where, uh, Eddie Jr., you were doing the, uh, the yeah. uh, recreation of your phone message. And, boy, that was, like, a spot-on identical. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you do was, so well with that, Eddie. You, I spoke to a few people, man. I spoke did did you, did your dad ever talk about how he ended up getting on the show? I mean, maybe you know any kind of back. No, 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 not really. It, you know, he never pushed the whole Hollywood thing on me. Right. He and he, no, like he, you said, he was kind of retired almost yeah, by the time you and, became. And I think. Yeah. He he, much like myself. If somebody, if I had a hard day and did a lot, and somebody says. Well, uh, how was your day? I tell them I don't want to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? People ask you how's your day, and you find yourself explaining in detail. It almost feels like you're having another hard day. Yeah. So I think some of that was in that in, in him. Like he did it. I'm past it. You know what I mean? And yeah. On to this new right. This new part of my life. Well, I think Eddie. Yeah, I think from knowing you a little bit mm -hmm. and knowing uh, how, and, and you telling us how Eddie kind of worked and knowing Jack as well, I think the three of you all sort of have this same thing where, where you're focused on the new thing, whatever the new thing you're into, and you're not going to sit here and talk about previous. Yeah. Uh, accolades and things from the past you're like yeah. this is the thing i'm into now right and, and that's what that's totally the way jack was it, it's mm -hmm. totally the way you seem to be eddie yeah and it makes sense that your dad could be the same way and so they're right. and so they don't sit here and go let's talk and let's sit and talk about old times and how this happened and how this happened i mean maybe in an interview they would do that but but right, and, right? yeah and, but when and, life shows up you got to keep moving forward man it's just at least for me. I mean, yeah. Well, everybody and, and has their own. Sounds like for your dad as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Everybody's okay. dialed in differently, of course, and that's fine. But yeah, I just, as you see some of the things you see on my Facebook, I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah, that's I'm right. all over the place. And, but that's entertaining for me. And when you said about my father being on Central Avenue, he also owned a club in Central Avenue. Yeah. He actually owned it. Uh, eventually, he had to close it down because he let everybody in free. Right. Huh. <laughs> he couldn't make no money. 
<laughs> you get it? Much yeah. like myself. Now, this is weird. I was one of the biggest club promoters in Los Angeles at one time. In my circle. Right. You get what I mean? I was doing the same thing, unaware of what my father had done in Central Avenue. So right. as I evolved, you get what I mean? As oh, yeah. you talk about new things, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, when do I get a life of my own? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, and I know you I know you did real estate for a while and yeah, yeah. and so that. you've gone from sort of thing to thing and and it's been uh, always interesting what you're I mean what you're doing is always you, you it's always something you can get excited about and 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 you can be successful with I mean you've been successful with many different yeah, things yeah. You know? I mean and you know you're so interesting to talk to just because you have such yeah. these life experiences yeah. and you know my father he was in heavy in the real estate people don't know that piece right. he was trying to be the first uh, to have a casino as a as a black American. Wow. He was going for the for the gusto. Yeah. It didn't work out because of a lot of politics um, and the people that he tried to uh, he he tried to form a group of investors. And and they just didn't they didn't follow up. They didn't, you know, they right. weren't as committed. Guess what? Same thing. I'm a promoter, right. but all the venues I was leasing or renting, there was no ownership. So right. I pulled all the big promoters within my circle, had the meeting at the mansion in the dining room, and had the same problem. I wanted to own, not me, a group of us. I wanted right. to have, have a stakeholder yeah. and some sort of equity in this market, because when you put all these promoters together, it might've been 10,000 people, you know, as far as customers. Yeah. But here we go again, couldn't get them, I couldn't, couldn't get them to, uh, to commit. I to couldn't, the they're all the same thing, same yep. thing. So it, they, it's uncanny how me and my father's, our, our path, Yes. So, and it's not like you chose to try and make the path the same necessarily, but it just sort of yeah, that's what's so weird. Remember, I told you when you guys bring me on, the theme song has to be the Twilight song. Remember, I told you, <laughs> you gotta come on. <laughs> 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 yeah, <okay. laughs> so yeah, it, it's now strange. I'm really gonna have to do that. So <laughs> now <laughs> now the Twilight song. when we do that last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think what we'll do at this point, um, unless anybody has anything else to point out about this episode, we'll let folks enjoy uh, Eddie Anderson's very first appearance on the Jack Benny Show, and it's delightful. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with I'm Bubbling Over from the motion picture Wake Up and Live. <laughs> Bright new suits, bright spring flowers. Those are some of the sights that make the Easter parade the bright and colorful scene it is. 
a scene that you can see only once a year. But here's a delight to the eye and a thrill to the taste that you can enjoy the year round. Jello for dessert. Yes, indeed, when you bring on a colorful mold of Jello, you certainly give your family a treat. For dessert should look as good as it tastes, and that's one of the many grand things about Jello. It looks delicious, and it is delicious and refreshing with the flavor of real fresh fruit. Jello has that extra rich fruit flavor which makes it the most popular gelatin dessert in the world. So brighten up your menus with a gay Jello dessert. Order Jello in any of its six delicious flavors tomorrow from your dealer. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jello. Bubbling Over, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra in Hollywood. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you to the Dearborn Street Station in Chicago, where we find Jack and the rest of the gang about to board the train for California. Take it away, Chicago! Harmony transfer, baggage transfer. <clears throat> hey, Red Cap, carry my grips a little higher. There's some things hanging out. Yes, sir. All aboard! Train leaving on track seven for Kansas City, Dodge City, Sioux City, Carson City, Salt Lake City, and Pottstown. Boys! Hey, just drop the grips down here till I get my crowd together. Yes, Mr. Bunny? The name's Benny. Well, this is Easter. Hmm. Come along, Millicent. The train will be leaving any minute. Oh, look, Ma, there's Jack Benny. I want his autograph. Wait till we get to Hollywood and you can get a good one. Hmm. Say, Don. Yes, Jack? Have you seen Mary and Kenny? We haven't got much time. Well, I saw Mary standing in front of the hotel a little while ago. That's fine. Why don't she get over here? She's waiting for a cab to match her new Easter hat. Oh. Hope the depot matches her dress. See if you can find her, will you? And uh, Kenny, too. Okay. All aboard! Train leaving for San Pedro, San Diego, San Jose, and San Francisco, starring Clark Gable and Jeanette McDonald. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. You all set? Yeah. Where's the train for San Hollywood? Right over there. Gee, but you're all bundled up. I bet you're glad you're leaving all this ice and snow. Huh? You said it. I'm so cold, I'm all geese pimples. That's goose. Well, I got more than one. Oh. Hey, Red Cap. Yes, sir. Uh, take my grips to car 24, drawing room A. I did that three times already, and a lady keeps throwing them out. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm in lower seven. I was thinking of taking a drawing room, folks. Uh, say, conductor, where does that train leave from? The one to Los Angeles. Tracks 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Mm, it's a pretty long train, isn't it? No, the engineer brought it in sideways. Oh, I see. Divine depot. All aboard! Train leaving for one, two, Kalamazoo, three, four, Baltimore, five, six, Battle Creek, seven, eight. Don't be late, boy. <laughs> I have to take that trip sometime. <laughs> Jack, had we better get into our car? Don, I'm not getting on till Kenny gets there. Say, Mary, run over to the newsstand and buy me a magazine, will you? Uh, which one? Oh, anything. Get me a copy of the nudist. 
I like those outdoor scenes. Okay. Oh, I got to send a wire. Say, information clerk. Yes? Where can I send a telegram? To my wife. It's her birthday. Thanks, thanks. Oh, uh, Mr. Benny. Yes? My daughter insists upon getting your autograph. Do you mind? Oh, not at all. I'm so glad you're going to be on the train. Uh, here you are, darling. Thanks, Mr. Benny. Well, well, so you're the little girl who wants my autograph. Yeah, ain't I screwy? <laughs> Pardon me, lady. I'm looking for my gang. Oh, Mary, did you get me that magazine? Uh, here it is, Jack. The nudist. Thanks. And here's some smoke glasses. Smoke glasses? What are they for? Wait till you get to page 10. <laughs> Give me that. I'm reading a continued story. Oh, Jack, Jack, here's Kenny. Hello, everybody. Hey, Kenny, where have you been? The train leaves in two minutes. Well, I was taking a bath. Mm, you picked a fine time. What's that towel sticking out of your shirt? I'm not dry yet. <laughs> oh, you're not dry yet. What do you got in that bucket? I'm taking some snow to California. Oh. My mother never saw any. No, isn't that silly, Mary? It'll be water by the time we get there. My mother will believe me. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, <laughs> well, go on. Let's get on the train, fellas. Gee, we haven't got much time. Oh, Ford! Train leaving on track nine for Fort Madison, Kansas City, Strawberry, Raspberry, Wichita, Curry, Orange, Lemon, Albuquerque, and Lime. And that's us. Say, Don, did you bribe that announcer? No, but I'll reward him. Well, let's go. Our car's up forward. Come along, Ellison. You can get the fireman's autograph later. Let's see, where's car 24? Oh, here we are, Mary. Uh, gee, Jack, our car must be awfully crowded. Why? those three men riding under it. Well, they're probably fresh air fiends. Oh. Come on. Here, Mary, I'll help you up. You too, Don. And Kenny, don't spill that bucket of snow. I won't. Here you are, Red Cap. Here's 50 cents. This is a dime. Look at your script, not the coin. <laughs> Goodbye, Chicago. What do you want with snowshoes on the train? I bet he wants to go for a hike in the bucket. Yeah. Oh, get in the car.
Gee, it's a long ride, isn't it, Don? Yeah, yeah. Where are we now, Jack? I don't know. It looks like New Mexico. How'd you rest last night? Oh, not so good. Not so good. I'm not built for an upper berth. No. You look more like a compartment. <laughs> you must have slept on your back. You were snoring jello all night. Yes, I had a conscientious nightmare. Oh. Hey, Jack, are there any windows in an upper berth? No. Then who was I waving at? <laughs> You got me. How'd you sleep, Mary? I was up half the night writing an Easter poem. You want to hear it? Not now, Mary. A dear old Easter. Hey, Porter, Porter. Yes, sir? What time do we get to Albuquerque? Who? Albuquerque. I don't know. Do we stop there? Well, certainly we stop there. My, my. (laughs) Hmm. Tell the engineer about that. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Uh, what's the name of that town again? Albuquerque. <laughs> Albuquerque. What's they gonna think up next? <laughs> Fine porter we got. Well, maybe we don't stop there, Jack. Go on. I've made this trip a thousand times. Uh, do you want to hear my poem now? A thousand times, no. I'm going into lunch. Pardon me, Mr. Benny. Yes, ma'am. I'm the lady whose daughter wanted your autograph at the station. Oh, the little girl is going to Hollywood. Yes, she's going into pictures. Well. Uh, Millicent, dear, Mr. Benny wants to meet you. Well, I was going to lunch, really. Oh, thank I, uh, you, but... but we've just had ours. Oh. Uh, come here, Millicent. You know she sings just like Lily Pond. Well, I heard Miss Pond, so don't bother with Millicent. I must... <laughs> she's so modest, I always have to force her. Not for us, you don't. Mary. Now, come, Millicent. Sing for Mr. Benny. Oh, don't bother. She's probably nervous. No, look. No, look. I don't... No, of course. Look, look. Oh, really, she has great possibilities. Thank you. And take your hands off her neck. Oh, pardon me. How about lunch, Jack? Who can eat now? Oh, conductor, conductor. Yes, sir? What time do we get to Albuquerque? Albuquerque? Is that on this line? It always has been. What time do we get there? What time is it now? 12.20. Thank you. La, 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 la. Mm. <laughs> I'll bet he's going into pictures, too. Yeah. Oh, listen to my poem, will you, Jack? Oh, Mary, I'm so tired. I don't uh, want to Dear go. old Easter, dear old Easter, you are with us once again. With you your... know, Mr. Benny, my daughter... Oh, lady, please. I'm... My daughter won a contest, and that's why she's going into pictures. Oh, so you're going to be in pictures, Millicent. Yeah, until a director gets fresh with me. <laughs> what a long career you'll have. Mary, Millicent, Millicent won a contest. Contest? He looks like a water buffalo. You've never seen a water buffalo. I've never seen anything like Millicent, either. Quiet. Dear old Easter, dear old Easter, you are with us. Hello, fellas. Well, hello, hello, Kenny. Kenny. How'd you sleep last night, Kenny? Oh, I had more trouble. You did? Every time I hung my pants on the rope, the train stopped. kind of a train. Where have you been all morning? See, when a porter closed my upper berth, you'd think he'd wait until I got out. And you mean he folded you up in it? Yeah. Well, why don't you do something about it? Before I could think of anything, I fell asleep. Oh. Gee, I sure do need air. Sit down and open the window. Here, I'll help you, Kenny. 
And don't stick your head out. Uh, say, Kenny, you want to hear my Easter poem? Sure, Mary. Oh, boy, an audience. Dear old Easter, dear old Easter, you are with us once again. With your gorgeous Easter lilies and your product from the hen. Wow. How I love your Easter bunny. Apples, oranges, magazines, and programs. Get your programs here. You can't tell one pasture from another without a program. (laughs) Hey, what kind of a train is this? Hey, boy, what time do we get to Albuquerque? We certainly do. Apples, oranges, magazines, Albuquerque. Isn't that awful? How I love your Easter bunny, summer wild and summer tame. Yes. And the jello so delicious, how it wobbles on the train. <laughs> hey, I've noticed that. You know. Hey, Porter. Yes, sir? When I got on the train yesterday, I gave you a suit to press. Where is it? Gee, I'm lazy. Don't I remind you of Stephen Fetchett? Yeah, and what did you find out about Albuquerque? He can't press it any better than I can. <laughs> Albuquerque's a town. You better check on that. <laughs> I better get off this train, too. Say, Jack. Yeah? What's this hanging around my neck? That's a mailbag, and I told you to keep your head in. <laughs> now look at you. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Mary? I just saw a picture of a water buffalo. <laughs> Some witty answer. Well, Kenny, what are you going to sing on the program when we get to Hollywood? Oh, I don't know. I think I'll sing Trust in Me. Well, rehearse it now and brush up a little bit. That's a clever way of getting into a song while we're on a train, isn't it, folks? You sure fooled me. I thought I would, yeah. Sing, Kenny. (laughs) Where did we get the orchestra? about love's invitation Come to me without more speculation Have no fear Give me your hand my dear faith I have in you. Love will see us through if only you trust in me. Come to me when things go wrong. Cling to me and I'll be strong. We can get along as long as you trust in me. While there's a moon on high, while there's a bird to fly, while there's you and I, you can be sure I love you. Stand beside me all the while. Face the future with a smile Trust in me and I'll be worthy of you
good, Kenny. I'm sure your song will be a big hit Sunday. I'll say it was. Say, Jack, looks like we're pulling into a station. That's right. We're slowing down. Hey, Kenny, look out of the window and see what town this is. Okay. The train stopped, Jack. Where are we? What does the sign say, Kenny? What town is this? Waiting room. <laughs> Waiting room, New Mexico. It's fine. I mean, let me look out there. Hey, Don, we're in Albuquerque. I knew the train stopped here. Boy, I'm going out get some air. Yeah, me too. Well, wait for me. Hey, Porter. Yeah, Lou? How long do we stop here? Well. <laughs> in Albuquerque. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> Well, it's no use talking to him. Come on, Mary. I got to send a wire. Watch your step. Hey, Jack, look at those Indians selling things. Where? Right there. I'm going over and buy a Tommy Rock. <laughs> it's a Tommy Hawk. Go ahead, Kenny. Don't be late for the train. Don, send that wire for me, will you? Okay. Oh, Jack, look at Kenny buying something from that Indian. Yeah. Hello, Indian. Parlez-vous English? Ooh. Ooh. What? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Tell him what you want, Kenny uh, Me want Tommy Hawk How much cost him? <laughs> White boy, some dope <laughs> You said it Come on, Mary We haven't much time I want to go in that little novelty shop And buy some moccasins Well, now I gotta get something for my mother too. Yeah, let's go over Hey, Mary, look at that sign Heap big bargains Let's go in well, customers, step into my big room and look around. Is he an Indian? Am I a Indian, she's asking. He's an Indian, all right. What can I do for you, my pale-faced landsman? I want to get a pair of moccasins. Right feet or left feet? One of each. Sorry, we don't split them up. <laughs> Hey, Papa, give me a nickel. What? That's my little papoopsie. Oh. Jack, look at those purses. I'd like to buy one for Mama. See this bag here? It's a real rattlesnake purse. Mmm, it's pretty. Hey, wait a minute. This one is moving. Hey, Tess, that'll be dead by sundown. <laughs> Better not handle that, Mary. I'd like to see a pair of moccasins. Here you are. The finest moccasins made by our tribe. Yeah, what tribe is that? The Pony Shoppies. <laughs> Well, I've heard of them. Say, these moccasins aren't bad. You haven't got much of a selection here. Who am I? Floor shine. <laughs> well, well, I'll take this pair. Wrap them up. Would you like them wrapped in a blanket? Don't rush me. I just want moccasins. That's all. Papa, I want a nickel. Quiet. Rain in the face. <laughs> Could be nose in the face, too. <laughs> Here you are, sir. This will be two ninety-eight. Is there anything else? No, thanks. Wait a minute, Tenderfoot. Could you use a couple of igloos, Chief? Igloos? What's an Indian doing with an igloo? I used to be an Eskimo. I'm stuck with him. <laughs> Never mind. Come on, Mary. Oh, Jack, look at that totem pole. That's my wife. I'm stuck with her, too. <laughs> Well, goodbye. Thank you. Call again. Yeah. Hey, Jack, hurry up. We'll miss a train. Be right with you. Come on, everybody. Oh, Don, did you send that wire to Phil Harris? Yes. He got the message, all right. 
Thank you. That was Swing High, Swing Low from the motion picture of the same name, played by yours truly, Phil Harris and his orchestra. And I want to say that it sure is a pleasure to be back on this program again. Say, Phil, how soon will Buck get here? Why, hello, Andy. He'll be here any minute now. Oh, I wish he'd get here. I got a swell present for him if he brought me one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey! Phil, you too, Andy. Uh, give me a kiss, Phil. How is that, Mary? Abe Lima's better, but you're a change. <laughs> hey, Mary, don't I get a kiss? I kissed you when I came in. Well, do it again before I cool down. <laughs> oh, boy, it sure is good to be home again. Yeah, yeah I'm going right out and kissing orange. Say, Phil, you know that watch you gave me for Christmas? Well, I showed it to everybody, and it's the talk of New York. No kidding. Well, what happened in New York, Jack? What did you do all this time? Yeah, Uh, give us a lowdown, Buck. Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) You tell them, Don. I want to say hello to the boys in the band. Hi, fellas. Well, fellas, uh, Jack was out night after night, and he practically slept in his dress suit. At least it looked that way. It was just one nightclub after another, parties and theaters. Burlesque shows and burlesque shows and burlesque shows. <laughs> and then he went home to his hometown, Waukegan, and they gave him a great big celebration. You'd think he was leaving town instead of coming in. Some excitement, huh? Say, Buck. Yeah, Andy? I bet you were stuck up when you did that broadcast from the Waldorf Astoria your hotel. <laughs> From the where? Say that again, Andy. I love it. From the world of the story. <laughs> yes, sir. That sure is a swaggy place. Now, look, fellas. I saved a menu from the dining room. Is that class? Hey, look at this, Andy. Gee whiz. Two eggs, 90 cents. Yep. Say, Buck, can I take this home? I want to show it to my chicken. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy, but break it to him gently. Here, let me see that menu a minute. Here you are, Don. I know what you're looking for. It's at the bottom of the page, under dessert. Yep, there it is, right between the coconut custard pie and the chocolate pudding. Yes, sir, and it looks just as tempting as ever. I wonder if they mean jello. Oh, Kenny, you spoiled it. (laughs) Say, Jack, you sure did a lot of stepping in New York, didn't you? Did I? Come here, Phil. You too, Andy. Listen, I got some stuff to tell you. Wait a minute. You know, we gotta be... Listen, you can talk all you want, boy. But let me tell you something. There are plenty of rubes in New York, too. There are? Certainly. Listen, I tipped the waiter at the Waldorf Astoria, and he told me it was the first dime he'd ever seen. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Jack, tell us about those nightclubs. Yeah, and how about those chorus girls? Were they pretty? Well, I don't know. Wilson was always in front of me. I don't know. But say, fellas, no kidding. I got so much to tell you it'll take days. Hey, come on over. Come on over here in the corner. Okay, you? you know what to do, boys. Bill, you have no idea what goes on.
Here's a tip on how to get the spirit of the new season. Do something different. Get a little gay with your menus and serve this new and exciting salad, Jell-O Fruit Mold. It's attractive, delicious, and easy to make. You simply dissolve one package of orange Jell-O in one pint of hot water. Chill until slightly thickened, then fold in one and one-half cups of diced fruit, whatever kind of fruit you like best, apples, pears, oranges, canned pineapple, or berries. Then mold and serve. Everybody will make a big fuss over this grand springtime salad, so try it and try it real soon. Be sure that you make the Jell-O fruit mold with genuine Jell-O. Well, to again, this is Buck Benny speaking. It's 2017. I'm announcing that we are now officially adding the 1937 episodes to our 1947 presentations. So tonight you'll hear Jack's show from March 30th, 1947. Then Phil's show that's never been available before. I love that we have all these Phil shows now, which is wonderful that are in circulation. And this one is again from that same date, March 30th, 1947. And then we jump back 10 years to get Eddie Anderson's first ever appearance on the Jack Benny show. He's not as Rochester yet, but that'll happen. And this is from March 28th. 1937. I aired it on Saturday too, but now this next week we won't have Saturday's airing. It'll just be on our Thursday night. We also, of course, moved this show to Thursday night as well, just to give you a little space so that you have Jack on Sunday and Jack again on Thursday. So I hope you enjoy these. We are kind of doing this so we create space for our Western Wednesdays and our Suspense Saturdays, which I think people are going to like as well. Anyway, without further ado, here I am introducing the show. Enjoy. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1946-47 season. Uh, Let me talk a little bit about last week's episode. No one emailed me with an attempt to name all the singers of Old MacDonald in last week's episode. Um, Cowards. (laughs) But... But uh, the singers were, of course, uh, basically the entire cast. It was not Rochester, but it was um, Dennis Day, Don Wilson, uh, Mary Livingston, Jack, uh, Phil Harris, and Mr. Kitzel as well, of course, as well as the four sportsmen. So that gives you quite a few singers (laughs) of that song. Uh, the other thing that I noticed about last week's episode is that it, it was beautifully clear. Great, great sounding episode. But it was so clear that uh, for the first time ever that I can think of, there was an audience member who was really close to one of the audience mics or something. And so when he would um, laugh, you would hear it really clear, which didn't bother me too much. But then it, he appeared, it was either him or someone next to him, 
that was whistling throughout the episode at different times. And it's the first time I was really kind of annoyed at audience members for uh, making the show uh, less enjoyable or something like that. So I don't know if you uh, didn't get a chance to really experience that. Listen to last week's episode and see what, see what you think. Um, anyway, uh, and I'm still sick. Uh, that's why I've waited so long today to do this podcast. I was hoping to feel better and do it, but still feel lousy. But uh, anyway, we will hopefully be feeling better soon. And uh, I'll continue to probably just do my uh, podcast for the Jack Benny show. And that's it until I feel a little better. But anyway, uh, enjoy and we'll see you guys next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Listen. Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike by fine, ripe, mellow leaf. Tobacco that makes a swell smoke. James Monroe Ball, ace tobacco auctioneer, said that. Quality tobacco. Fine tobacco with real flavor. Smooth and mild. For myself, I picked Lucky's. Smoked them for 15 years. Herbert T. Highsmith, independent tobacco buyer, said that. Yes, at auction after auction, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So for your own real deep down smoking enjoyment, smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Broadcasting from San Francisco, the Lucky Strike program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Phil Harris's orchestra, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, on last Tuesday night in Los Angeles, with bands playing and trumpets blaring, the star of our show boarded a special car on the Lark. And on Wednesday morning, after a night of excitement and anticipation, finally arrived in San Francisco and was met at the station by a red cap. And here he is, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, you're absolutely right. Imagine after the mayor, the Chamber of Commerce, and the newspaper men of San Francisco begged me to come up here, there was no one to meet me at the station but a red cap. I was so mad, I carried my own bag. <laughs> and I'm going to stay mad till I get back on the train. Well, anyway, Jack, even though you didn't get a reception at the station, at least you had the honor of coming to San Francisco in a private car. Well, Don, it wasn't exactly a private car. It, uh, it was more like a... Drawing room? Well, it, uh, it wasn't exactly a drawing room. It was more like a... Compartment? What's a compartment? <laughs> well, uh, a compartment has an upper and lower berth in it and a chair. A chair? Hmm? No, this wasn't a compartment. <laughs> Forget it. Forget about it, Don. By the way, uh, by the way, how how did you come up here? Oh, I came up on the TWA bus. The TWA bus? 
Don, the TWA is an airliner. It flies. Not when I'm on it. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I... <laughs> now I know what they mean by ceiling zero. <laughs> anyway, Don, we got here, so let. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Mary, I don't know what's come over me, but I've never seen you look so pretty before. Your complexion's so clear, your cheeks so rosy. Have you got on your new makeup? No, you've got on your new glasses. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And Mary, I have these glasses made especially for San Francisco. Look at them. Well, I don't see anything different. Look closer. Well, I'll be darned windshield wipers. <laughs> And yes, and not only that, wait a minute, Mary, press the, press the little button on the bridge of my glasses. What? Go ahead, go ahead, press the button. Okay. Holy smoke, built-in fog lights. <laughs> yes, sir, there's nothing like... Mary, what are you sticking your finger in my ear for? I'm checking your gas and oil. <laughs> Mary, don't be silly. By the way, where are you living here in town? At the Sir Francis Drake. Where are you? I'm at the Fairmont Hotel on the top of Knob Hill. How do you get there, Jack? By cable car? No, no. You ought to ride them sometime. Mary, if I want to get to the top of Knob Hill, I'll get there. Yeah, but what you won't do to save a dime? <laughs> what do you mean, Mary? Well, yesterday I saw Jack going up Powell Street with spiked shoes, a rope, and a pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made it, didn't I? <laughs> Yes, but when you got to the top of the hill, you didn't have to yodel. Look, I wasn't yodeling. Then how come you got fan mail from three goats in Berkeley? <laughs> because they got fountain pens that write under milk. <laughs> I can go along with a gag, you know. Honestly, Jack, every time you come to San Francisco, you have more trouble. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Barry? Well, yesterday we were taking a drive to Oakland. You mean over the Bay Bridge? Yes. When we got to the toll gate, I reached over to pay the man, and before I knew it, Jack flew out of the car, jumped into the bay, climbed up back on the bridge, handed the man the quarter, and said, Butterfingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, Jack, you want to know something? What? That man told me he dropped it on purpose. He knew you'd jump in after it. <laughs> dropped it on purpose, eh? Well, it wasn't a wasted trip, sister. We're having barracuda for dinner. <laughs> Barracuda? How in the world did you catch a barracuda? I didn't catch him. He followed me out with my new glasses. I look like a mackerel. <laughs> now, let's get on with the... Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? I work in the San Francisco post office, and we have thousands and thousands of letters that say, I can't stand Jack Benny. Huh? Oh, oh, well, that, uh, those must have been sent in for the contest I had last year. They were sent this year and have nothing to do with the contest. <laughs> Well, I'll pick them up before I leave San Francisco. I wish you'd hurry. One of them is ticking. <laughs> well, you can forward that one to Fred Allen. That's who it came from. Now, cut that out. I'll come to the post office in the morning and pick them up. And as for you, Mr... Mr... Jones. What? Jones. Jones? J-O-N-E-S? Yeah. Well, I want to shake your hand, Mr. Jones. I really do. 
Jack, what are you so excited about? Who is he? I don't know, but he's the first guy I've met in San Francisco whose name isn't DiMaggio. <laughs> That's my first name. All right, get out of here. <laughs> I had a fall for a thing like that. Well, Jack, it's just as I told you. Every time you come to San Francisco, you have trouble. Mary, I don't have any trouble. People love me here. You should have seen the crowd that turned out for the newspaper men's frolic last night. And, Jack, didn't you and Bob Hope do an act together on the Damon Runyon Memorial Fund benefit last Thursday? Yes, we did, Don. In fact, I was one of the masters of ceremonies, and I introduced Bob. Gee, I like Hope. He's so glib, and he talks so fast. You're telling me. When I introduced him, I said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Hope. And between Bob and Hope, he told 12 jokes, sang two choruses of thanks for the memory, and made a new picture called The Road to Tanferan. <laughs> what a man. You know, he'd be a great comedian if he could only play the violin. Mary, stop looking at me like that. If I'd had a good lunch, I'd punch you right in the nose. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What? Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Dennis, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since you got in town. Where are you living here? Oh, I've got a wonderful suite with 16 bathrooms. A suite with 16 bathrooms? Where? In the basement of the Fairmont Hotel. <laughs> oh, oh, well, are you comfortable there? Yes, but I can never get to sleep. Why not? All night long, a man with a whisk broom keeps brushing me off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, Dennis. It was such a good line, too. Huh? And you know what, Mr. Benny? Uh, Going without sleep has made me lose an awful lot of weight. What do you mean, kid? Well, this morning I weighed myself four times and the arrow always pointed to zero. What? I don't weigh anything. <laughs> oh, there's something wrong, Dennis. Maybe after you put in your penny, you wiggle around too much when you stand on the scale. Oh, stand on it. <laughs> yes, yes, you have to stand on it. Now, come on, Dennis. Everybody's here to anx anxious to hear you sing, so let's have your song. Okay. Oh, Mr. Benny, you know, when I put my penny in the weighing machine, a card came out with my picture on it. Your picture? Yeah, and guess who I look like? Who? Betty Grable. <laughs> what? I can't understand what Harry James sees in me. I can't either. Go ahead and sing, will you, kid? Cheyenne claims he's honest as the sun 
He worked six years in a bathhouse and he never took a one. The sheriff finally got him and no more will Uncle Rome. They caught him working in a bank and taking samples home. Oh, why, oh, why did I ever leave Wyoming? Why, oh, why did I ever have to go home? Why, oh, why did I ever leave Wyoming? Cause there's a sheriff back there looking for me high and low and high and low. That baritone must have picked the key. Oh, from old Wyoming, I will never roam. That was. That was Wyoming, sung in San Francisco by Dennis Day, who lives in Los Angeles and was born in New York. And now... Gee, what a trip just to sing a song. Yes, yes, a trip. Say, Dennis. (laughs) Dennis, we looked for you on the train. Why didn't you come up with us from Los Angeles? Well, I had to wait a couple of days because my mother and father wanted to come. I thought I'd treat them to a little vacation. Oh, did you drive up in your car? No, we took the night train. Mother slept in the lower berth and my father and I shared the upper. You and your father in an upper berth? That must have been awful. Well, we wouldn't have minded that so much, but our dog wouldn't get off the pillow. Oh, your dog was in there, too? Yeah, she sure picked a fine time to have pups. (laughs) Well, it's your own fault, Dennis. Why in the world did you bring your dog to San Francisco? Oh, I hated to leave her at a time like that. Oh. (laughs) Well, it's nice of you to be so considerate, and congratulations, by the way. And now, kids... If you'll all sit down and be quiet, i got a surprise for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have as our guest star tonight a very fine actress who, because of her great performance on the screen, was recently nominated for the Academy Award. Here she is, Miss Jane Wyman. Very nice of you to say that. Well, I meant it, Janie. I thought you gave a sterling performance in The Yearling. That's Yearling. Oh, yes, yes. I thought you gave a sterling performance in The Yearling. I mean, sterling. Um, Well, Janie, it must have been a great personal satisfaction for you being nominated for the Academy Award. Oh, it was, Jack. I was never so excited in my life. Well, Janie, Janie, how did you feel about Olivia de Havilland winning the Oscar? Well, Jack, I thought she deserved it. I think Olivia gave the finest performance of the year. Well, I know, but weren't you even a teensy-weensy bit jealous when somebody else got the Oscar? No, not at all. Gee, that's funny. When Frederick March won it, I could have spit right in his eye. (laughs) I was furious. But, Jack, you had no right to be jealous of Frederick March. You didn't even make a picture last year. I know, but I made one three years ago, and people still remember it. There's an answer to that, but I think my mother might be listening. I see. I see what you mean. Uh, at least, Janie, you were nominated, and there's always another chance. Who, who do you think will be nominated next year? Tom Dewey. <laughs> I'll go feed your pups. Janie... 
You may not know this, but next year, I'm going to make a picture that will be so sensational. Hello, Janie. How are you? Why, Mary, it's good to see you again. You look wonderful. Now, in this picture, I play the part... Janie, isn't San Francisco an exciting town? It certainly is, Mary. And the shops have so many new fashions. In this picture, I play the part... Did you see the the new spring clothes they're showing here? See them? I've already bought two of the darlingest suits at Mason Mendesal. In this picture... You know, I got a dream of an evening gown at Magnus. It's chartreuse, and the bodice is covered with sequins. In this picture, I play the part of a chartreuse, and there's... Mary I mean, I mean, there's a scene where Mary, I Mary, you know, they have the most gorgeous things in the lingerie shop at Roos Brothers Real two-way stretches and everything Now look, girl And I picked up some of the cutest hats at Ransom Wait a minute Oh, and you should see the suede alligator shoes I got at O'Connor and Moffat Wait a minute And you know, they have silk two-piece bathing suits that are strapless and back and you know you Now, in this picture, I... What'd you say about strapless bathing suits? <laughs> Nothing. And you should be ashamed of yourself talking about your own pictures when you have a star like Jane Wyman. Well, I congratulated her, Mary. I told her she was wonderful in The Yearling, didn't I, Janie? Yes, you did. And the technicolor and scenery in the picture were the most gorgeous I've ever seen. Where did they shoot the picture? In Hollywood? No, it was filmed in, uh, you should excuse the expression, Florida. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, you certainly gave a great performance. And I also think that Gregory Peck should have won something for running around on all fours and jumping over logs and <laughs> leaping over fences. Jack, that was the deer. Oh, oh. Well, I thought he was kind of cute, too. But it was... <laughs> No, no, Gregory Peck was the man with a straw hat. Oh, well, I saw the picture before I got my new glasses, you see. I sat so far back, the third row, too. <laughs> Janie, I haven't had a chance to see the picture yet. What was the story about? Well, Gregory Peck and I were running a little farm, and we were face-to-face with poverty. We'd worked 18 to 20 hours a day, and, and year after year of back-breaking labor, and we didn't have a penny to show for our toil. Gee, I wonder where they got an idea like that. <laughs> oh, Rochester gave it to them. <laughs> Imagine him selling his diary, isn't it? Uh, what were some of the things you and Gregory Peck raised on the farm? Well, there were potatoes, uh, yams, cotton, and our best crop was tobacco. Well, it took a long time, but you finally got around to me. Oh, you're Don Wilson, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. Don Wilson, in the flab. <laughs> Look, Don, we were just discussing... Jane, what are you staring at Don like that for? Now, I thought San Francisco had a bay. <laughs> Wyman, you're only a guest, but you're just as corny as they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, Miss Wyman, I saw The Yearling, and I was very impressed, but there's one scene that I'd like to ask you about. What is it, Mr. Wilson? In that heartbreaking scene when your son ran away from home, and with tears in your eyes, you were running through the fields looking for him. Yes. Now, the tobacco you raised in that field, was it that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco? Yes, sir, you bet. Why, sure. And they dared give the award to another picture? Don, they gave it to the best smokes of our lives, if that'll make you happier. You know? And I've been smoking Lucky Strikes nigh on to 25 yearlings. Good, good. Every morning, Gregory would go out and peck that fine tobacco. Say, that's wonderful. <laughs> then again, if it's not Tom Dewey, it might be Governor Warren. <laughs> What? <laughs> 
And when Gregory pecked that fine tobacco, it was made into lucky strikes that are so round, so firm, so fully packed. Don. So free and easy on the draw. Don. Don. Mr. Wilson, Knob Hill. You got in your commercial. It's time for a band number. Come on, let's dance, everybody. song played by Phil Harris's orchestra and directed by Mr. Malin Merrick. Uh, that is your name, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Merrick, it was nice of you to fill in for Mr. Harris since he couldn't be with us today. And I want to tell you that I've never heard Phil Harris's band sound so good. How long have you studied music? One week. <laughs> oh, that's not... Well, what made you decide so recently that you wanted to lead an orchestra? Well, I'm a conductor on a cable car, and I don't know how long they're going to last. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, thanks again for helping us out, Mr... Mr... What is that name again? Merrick. Malin D. Merrick. Now, what's the D for? DiMaggio. <laughs> I should have known, huh? Jack, why couldn't Phil come up here with us? Phil, well, you see, Mary, Phil has his own program for Fit Shampoo, which follows my show. And when I go out of town and Phil has to choose between the two programs, naturally, he'd choose the one with the bottles. <laughs> but um, he'll be with us next week. You know, Jack, I'm sorry Phil Harris isn't here today. I think he's awfully cute. Do you, Janie? Mm -hmm. There's one thing I can't understand. What do women see in Phil Harris? Oh, I don't know. He's handsome and impetuous, and he has sex appeal. Well, don't you think I have sex appeal? <laughs> well, in a gay 90 sort of way. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Janie. How can you say that? You've never even kissed me. Come on, give me a kiss. Right here in front of everybody? Why, certainly. Come on, Janie, kiss me. Well, all right. There. <laughs> Well, maybe he's not as old as I thought he was. <laughs> Look at the sparkle in his eyes. Don't get excited. Those are fog lights. Mary. If it's not Governor Warren, it might be Herbert Hoover. <laughs> what? Don't you read the papers? Oh, quiet. <laughs> Jack hasn't read anything since Monday except Newsweek because his picture's on the cover. You said it. And if I do say so myself, I look pretty good. Go on, I sent out laundry that looked better than that. 
Mary, you're just jealous because Newsweek magazine didn't put your... Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Pardon the intrusion. Well, Mr. Kitzel. <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, what are you doing here in San Francisco? I'm visiting my relatives. Oh, you have relatives here? Yes, my brother runs a hotel. Here in town, uh, eh? What's the name of it? Sir Francis Kitzel. <laughs> Sir Francis Kitzel? Yes, yes, and I have an <laughs> uncle who's got a restaurant in Chinatown. A restaurant in Chinatown? Yeah. What's the name of it? Ling Ting Fui. <laughs> Fui? You should eat there sometime. <laughs> well, maybe we'll go over after the show tonight. Does he serve uh, yakamane, chow mein, and chop suey? With a noodle in the middle and a herring on top. <laughs> oh. He, he also serves corned beef and cabbage. Your uncle serves corned beef and cabbage? That's an Irish dish. He's very friendly. <laughs> oh, well, Mr. Kitzel, it's nice that you have so many relatives here. Oh, yes, and I also got a cousin on Fisherman's Wall. What's his name? DiMaggio. <laughs> well, look, which one of the DiMaggio is your cousin, Joe, Vincent, or Dominic? Morris. <laughs> yes. You know, he plays baseball with the San Francisco Schlemiels. <laughs> Well, Mr. Kissel, it was certainly nice to see you again. Well, as they say, a 10 for M. Mutual. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got to be running along now. Oh, just a minute. Before you go, I want you to meet our guest star, Miss Jane Wyman. Hello, Mr. Kitzel. <laughs> Why, Mr. Kitzel, you're a regular wolf. Thank you. <laughs> well, goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. Oh, Miss Wyman. Yes. Greystone, 8056. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Hey, isn't he a cute guy, Janie? <laughs> well, Janie, we certainly had an exciting week up here, didn't we? We certainly did, Jack. And I want to thank you very much for being on my program and also for appearing at the newspaper frolics last night. Oh, it was lots of fun, and I always enjoy coming to San Francisco. Me too. Herbert Hoover lives in Palo Alto. <laughs> I know, I know. Dennis, why don't you pay attention to what we're... Pardon me. Hello? 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 Who is this? Your favorite brunette! <laughs> Rochester! <laughs> Rochester, where are you? I'm in Sausalito. Sausalito? What are you doing there? Nothing. Nothing? That's the main industry here. <laughs> hey, what? They've got so much of it, they export it. Oh, you mean, th you mean things are kind of quiet over there? Quiet? Over here, they think no apprentice is a blabbermouth. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Rochester. I didn't give you permission to go over there. I know, boss, but I had a couple of spare hours on my hands. Uh-huh. And I was, well, uh, kind of lonesome. Yeah. And then I remembered I knew a girl over here. Yeah. And it's spring now, boss. Spring! <laughs> All right, so what happened? The main industry, nothing. <laughs> well, look, Rochester, were there any calls or messages for me at the hotel? A few, boss. What were they? Well, the hotel barber came up to the room about ten minutes after you left. The barber? Yeah, I got a shave and you got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Rochester, how could he give me a haircut when I wasn't even... Oh, oh, oh. Well... <laughs> I hope it was the blonde one. I want to wear it tonight. Um... See you later, Rochester. So long, boss. So long. Oh, say, boss. Now what? My girl and I have been listening to the program. What'd you think of it? Are you sure you've got a contract for the next three years? Yes. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> Never mind. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, I guess you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Playboy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the 1947 Easter Seal campaign is on. Crippled children can become useful citizens if we give them the help they need while they are young and growing, such as clinical care, schooling, camping, vocational guidance, and finally a job. We can help them best by buying our share of Easter seals today. Thank you. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here is Basil Risedale. As you listen to the chant of the tobacco auctioneer, remember... L-S-M-F-T. At 59, American. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. Here are the words of a man who's had a lifetime of tobacco experience, Mr. Charles L. Saunders, an independent tobacco buyer of Reedsville, North Carolina, who said, I've seen thousands and thousands of baskets of ripe, mild tobacco sold to the makers of Lucky Strike. Tobacco that's really fine. So for a grand smoke, I picked Lucky's. Smoked them for 21 years. Independent tobacco experts like Mr. Saunders speak from their own experience, for they can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. Real Lucky Strike tobacco. Yes. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. First, last, always. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco means real deep down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody here in San Francisco for being so nice to us. Also, Janie Wyman, who appeared on the program through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, who are the producers of that new picture, Cheyenne. Be sure to listen in next Sunday when we will have as our guests Mr. Samuel Goldwyn and Hoagie Carmichael. What about Herbert Hoover? Dennis. Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The F.W. Fitch Company presents The Fitch Bandwagon, starring Alice Faye. You never know just how much I love you. You'll never know just how much I care. And Phil Harris. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy, and that's what I like about the sound.
The events we are concerned with this evening began last Monday morning at the Harris's when the telephone rang. Hello? Hello, Phil. This is Woody Herman. I didn't wake you up, did I? Uh, what time is it? Twelve noon. Of course you woke me up. <laughs> What's on your mind, Woody? Well, I called about your band, Phil. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, kid, but I just can't use another clarinet player. <laughs> Oh, Philzy, me play in your band? Don't say that, even when you're half asleep. Well, wait a minute, Woody. I thought maybe you wanted a job or something. What's up? Well, you know, a few of the bands out here formed a softball league. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been reading about that. All the bands, huh? Uh-huh. You see, I'm sort of running it, and I thought maybe you'd like to get up a team with your outfit. Oh, with my band, huh? Mm -hmm. Hey, gee, that's a great idea. You know, it wouldn't hurt some of my guys to get a little fresh air on them. Well, that's real good, Phil. And I tell you what I do. I'll call you about the schedule later. Okay, Woody. I'm glad to hear from you. So long. The next day found Phil Harris bright and early out in his backyard with a ball and bat. Oh, boy. Let me wind up here and get a clout at this thing. Gee, it's lucky I had this equipment handy. You know, when I bought that tuxedo on South Hope Street, I never dreamed I'd use the bat that came with it. <laughs> doing? Oh, hello, kids. I'm just uh, practicing a little baseball. Why are you wearing your new bathing suit, Daddy? Well, fellas, it's so warm today that I put it on. Pretty, isn't it, kids? Yes, but don't you think the halter's too big? <laughs> that's not a halter, Alice. That's the line. Where's makeup in? <laughs> Say, kids, I'm sure glad you came out here. You can help me practice. But, Daddy, you know we don't like to play games with you. Why not? You get so mad when you lose. <laughs> I do not. Anyway, I won't get mad this time. Now, look. You throw the ball to me, and then I'll hit it back. I want to hit it. Phyllis, it's my bat and my ball, and I'm going to hit it. <laughs> now, throw it to me. And I'll knock it a mile. Oh, all right. Here it comes. <clears throat> oh, Harris, look at that ball travel. You Hank Greenberg, you. <laughs> oh, sail, you lovely thing. <laughs> Phyllis. What? You can have the bat now. <laughs> No, thanks, Mr. Greenberg. All right, all right. Now, who broke my window? Come on, one of you did it. Speak up. I cannot tell a lie, Mommy. Baby Alice did it. <laughs> Poor Daddy. He has no character at all. Phil, you broke that window and you know it. So what? I broke it. I broke it. After all, the house belongs to me. That's not what Uncle Bill says. <laughs> I had that house before we were married. Now, you go on upstairs. I don't care what Uncle Bill says. Now, Phil, this is ridiculous, you organizing a softball team with your band. What do you mean, ridiculous? It's perfectly legitimate. All the bands have got them, and Woody Herman called again last night. And look, our first game is with Harry James's outfit next Saturday. Well, baseball may be all right for those other fellas, but you're not exactly the athletic type. How can you say that? I'm a brute, kid. Look at these muscles. Bethlehem steel. 
And look at that chest. Portland cement. Yeah, and look at that stomach. Philadelphia scrapple. <laughs> oh, is that so? Hey, let me tell you something, kid. I'm in better shape than Irene Rich after six gallons of grape juice. <laughs> You'll probably end up getting hurt Don't worry about me, baby Harris is a natural-born athlete Yeah, I found that out on our first date I don't mean that <laughs> Well, look at my old man, honey He was one of the greatest runners that ever lived What did he ever run? Mexicans and from Tijuana <laughs> Well, anyway, honey I think the softball team's a great idea Gee whiz Just think of the publicity it'll get Oh, sure Hey, honey uh, while you're out here, uh... What? How about, uh, knocking me a few grounders? I will not. And if you break any more windows, I'll take that bat and ball away from you. Now, you be careful out Oh, here. all right, all right. What's wrong with her? She must have got up on the wrong side of her money this morning. <laughs> oh, boy, I can just see myself in that ball game now. I'll smash a liner out to center field. I'll round second. I'll touch third. I'm heading for home, and I hear that umpire say... You're not, you bum! <laughs> well, if it ain't Julius Abruzio, the Noel Coward of Ralph's Market. Hi, Mr. Harris. I just put the groceries in the house. What are you doing? Practicing a little baseball. Baseball? Oh, Dad, ain't you a little old for that kind of stuff? <laughs> oh, what do you mean, kid? Look at this physique. Ah, look at it. Have you ever seen a body like that? Yeah, but it had been in water for six days. <laughs> look, Julius, why don't you stop with that jive? For just once in your life, why don't you try and be a nice little guy? All right, all right. So look at me, I'm nice. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, Julius. Hey, are you in a big hurry right now? No. Would you like to play a little baseball, you know? Knock out a couple, maybe, huh? All right, give me the bat. I'll hit a few. Okay, now, don't hit them too hard. Ah, uh, don't worry, Mr. Harris. I'll hit you a nice high fly, and you can field it. Okay, I'm ready. All right, now, get back away. All right, I will. Now, how's this? Fine. Here it comes. <laughs> Keep your eye on it, Mr. Harris. Don't lose it in the sun. Well, wait a minute. Wait, where, where is it? You're okay. You're right under it now. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have the ball in your hand. Mr. Harris, where did you catch it? What in my mouth? In your mouth? Ah, gee, Mr. Whoa. Harris, you're a million laughs. Julius, help me. Help me. Get it out of here, Julius. <laughs> don't worry, I'll get it out. I'll, I'll tap you with the bat right on the back of the head. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Julius? Yeah, Mr. Harris? Uh... Come here a minute. Okay. Now, turn around. Like this? That's right. Oh, I better not. It's a brand new bat. Hey, <laughs> why don't I pitch a couple to you, Mr. Harris? All right, I'll try it. I can't get hurt doing that. Okay, here's the pitch. Oh, I'll murder this thing. Mm. Gee, that's a beauty. Look at it sail. Sure, Julius. Now, that's the way to hit a ball. 
Marty, why don't you give me my bat back? You're just trying to show off because Alexander's Ragtime Band opens next Sunday. Oh. Yeah. I'll be there, though. I want to see you, you pretty thing, when you were young. <laughs> hey, honey, I got to go because I got to go down to Frankie's apartment and we got to see about getting the team all organized and everything. Well, what about the two windows you broke? The two windows? Why don't you get your two brothers to stand out there in front of them? My brothers? They're two of the biggest pains I know. Oh, get out of here, Corny. All right, all right. You get a line and I'll get a pole, honey. You get a line and I'll get a pole, babe. You get a line and I'll get a pole and we'll go down to the crawdad hole, honey, baby man. Yonder come a man with a sack on his back, honey. Yonder come a man with a sack on his back, baby. Yonder come a man with a sack on his back, got more crawdads than he can pack, honey, baby man. That man fell down and busted his sack, honey. That man fell down and busted his sack, babe. That man fell down and busted his sack. Just watch them crawdads back and back, honey, baby man. I sell my crawdads three for a dime, honey. I sell my crawdads three for a dime, babe. Sell my crawdads three for a dime. Ain't no crawdads as good as mine, honey, mm, baby man. What are you gonna do when you lose your pole, honey? What are you gonna do when you lose your pole, babe? What are you gonna do when you lose your pole? Just sit and look down that crawdad hole, honey, baby man. What did the duck say to the drake, honey? What did the duck say to the drake, babe? What did the duck say to the drake? Ain't no more crawdads in this lake, honey, mm, baby man. Now, what did the possum say to the coon, honey? What did the possum say to the coon, babe? What did the possum say to the coon? Watch my crawdads with the light of the moon, honey, baby mine. Now, what are you going to do when the creek goes dry, honey? What are you going to do when the creek goes dry, babe? What are you going to do when the creek goes dry? Just sit and watch them crawdads die, honey, baby mine. Get up, Kate, you slept too late, honey. Get up, Kate, you slept too late, babe. Get up, Kate, you slept too late. That crawdad man done passed your gate, honey. Baby, my. This spring, both hats and hairstyles hug the head. 
And both look their best when your hair is soft, shining, and smoothly in place. So ladies, for truly beautiful, manageable hair, use Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo regularly. Fitch thoroughly cleanses with an antiseptic action, leaves your hair sparkling and your scalp tingling with that gloriously clean feeling. At the same time, this famous shampoo reconditions problem hair, helps restore elasticity, helps your hair to take and keep a wave longer. Fitch is so gentle, it will not harm even a baby's tender scalp. In fact, Fitch has been tested and commended by the Parents Magazine Consumer Service Bureau. It's good for all colors and textures of hair in hard or soft water. So use Fitch regularly. See how it leaves your hair romantically soft as a moonbeam, shining with dancing highlights and a joy to manage. Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo gives you the lovely hair that complements any hat or hairstyle. Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. Oh, hello, Curly. Hiya, Frankie. Hey, gee, I'm glad I found you home. What are you doing in such a crummy part of town? <laughs> hey, look, let's don't, you know, let's be sweet now because I got a very important thing that I want to talk to you about. Oh, okay. Sit down. Hey, wait a minute. I'll throw the stuff off this chair. What's that? My socks. <laughs> Your company now? All fixed, baby. Well, what's on your oh, mind? Oh, get this idea. Listen. Yeah. Just come to me, and it looks like it's going to be great. What do you think about our band playing baseball? That might be all right, Curly, but don't you think we ought to learn to play music first? <laughs> oh, Frankie, be serious now. Just think. Think of the publicity you'll get. Well, if it's publicity you want, why don't you use that idea I gave you last week? Well, that wasn't too bad, Frankie, but somehow... I couldn't see myself kidnapping Margaret Truman and selling her to the Republicans. Well, okay. But if we do form a team, you better let me do the pitching. You? Yeah. In my ball-playing days, I developed one of the best spitballs in the business. You did? Yeah. I finally had to give it up. How come? I ran dry in my second season. <laughs> Frankie, I just want to know what you think of the idea Because I know you're no ball player No ball player? Why, I got an offer from the St. Louis Browns When I was pitching for my alma mater Well, why didn't you take it? The warden wouldn't give me no waiver <laughs> Look, Frankie, never mind that Now, look, our first game is with Harry James on Saturday Yeah Now, I want you to go out and get us some uniforms And then get us some softball equipment Okay, Curly, I'll take care of everything By the way, what are you going to call the team? Bill Harris and these curly-headed Fitch dandruff-removing shampoos <laughs> You know, Curly, you ain't as dumb as you look. No. At last, Saturday arrived, the day of the big game. We find a rather nervous Phil Harris about to leave the house for the ballpark. Well, 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 goodbye, Phil. I mean, Alice. Uh, I'm leaving now. Phil, calm down. I'm all right, honey. I'm fine. I'm calm. Here. Give me a kiss for good luck. Phil, you're kissing the hat rack. <laughs> Gee, I wondered why you were wearing six derbies and an overcoat. <laughs> now, take it easy. 
Oh, before you go, there's a reporter waiting to see you in the living room. A reporter? Tell him I don't want any. I'm... Hey, wait a minute. A reporter? Mm -hmm. See, I told you. I told you we're going to get plenty of publicity out of this. Hiya, bud. You're the reporter, huh? Yeah, that's me, all right. Uh, you from the Los Angeles Times? Uh, no, sir. Oh, uh, the Herald Express? Uh, no, sir. Well, uh, what paper are you from? The Canoga Park, North Hollywood, Encino, and Van Nuys Gazette. <laughs> Is that a new paper? Uh, no, no, it's been established 20 years. It's dedicated to the beautiful San Fernando Valley, the land of cloudless skies and perpetual sunshine. Gee, hey, that's a swell motto. Yeah, it's delivered daily in a rainproof container. <laughs> you said your name was Mr. Snyder, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, Wycliffe Snyder. My friends call me Chicken, no, Chicken Snyder. <laughs> hey, Chicken. Hey, that's a rather odd name, isn't it? Yeah, that's what the Associated Press thought. Understand it caused quite a titter at the home office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, well, I guess you came over to see me about my new baseball team. Baseball team? Yeah, that's right. Now, look, our first big game is tonight against Harry James, and my boys will be in great shape. Don't yeah. worry about it. It may be perfect. Now, I'm the pitcher, and, of course, I'm a big batter on the team, too. You see, uh, I'm a natural-born athlete. Just like my father was. Your father? Yes, he used to run the 50-yard dash with a Mexican on his back. <laughs> Excuse me, but I think it's been a mistake here. Uh, what's your name again? Phil Harris. I'm Phil Harris, the band leader. You mean you ain't Zeke Harris that runs the hay feed and grain store? <laughs> well, of course not. Shucks, and I come all the way out here to get a fertilizer ad out of you. <laughs> Well, I better be leaving. Oh, I've got to go peddle my papers. Goodbye, Mr. Snyder. Uh, good day, ma'am. Chicken Snyder. Pretty cute guy at that, mm -hmm. though, wasn't he? Gee, I wish I could have taken a nap with him. Well, look, honey, i got to get down to the ballpark because the game starts in an hour. Well, good luck. And, oh, by the way, would you do me a favor? What? On the way home, will you bring me a bag of fertilizer from the store, Zeke? Oh, why don't you stop that? Bye, Zeke. Oh, Bye. go. There he goes. Now it's a softball team. He's just like a big kid. But I guess I wouldn't want him any different. A secret, a secret. I've got a little secret. A secret, a secret, a secret kind of secret. I'm making for to shout it to every daffodil and tell the world about it. In fact, I think I will. If this isn't love, the whole world is crazy. If this isn't love, I'm daft as a daisy. With moons all around and cows jumping over. There's something amiss and I'll eat my head if this isn't love. 
on top of William Tell. With this I cannot grapple, because, because you're so adorable. If this is his love, then winter is summer. If this isn't love, my heart needs a plumber. I'm swinging on stars. I'm riding on rainbows. I'm busting with bliss, and I'll kiss your hand if this isn't love. <laughs> All right, fellas, all right, fellas, let's quiet down now, quiet down now. Before we go out on the field, there's a few things I want to say to you men. Now, in the words of Pat O'Brien, I want you men to get out there and fight. I want you men to get out there and tackle. I want you men to get out there and block. And above all, I want you to watch Blanchard and Davis on those wide reverses. <laughs> Phil. What, Frankie? This is baseball. Well, watch them anyway. <laughs> Well, Frankie was supposed to take care of the equipment, Artie. Where's the stuff, Frankie? Stuff? Get a load of this bat I got it. It's autographed by Hank Greenberg. Let me see that thing. Sure. This don't say Hank Greenberg. It says Greenberg's Delicatessen. <laughs> oh, no wonder it felt like a salami. <laughs> stop already, will you? Now, did you get the uniforms yet? Sure, I got them. Look, ain't they beautiful? They got little white hats and velvet jackets with brass buttons. Then the whole thing tapers into a little ballerina-type skirt. <laughs> Frankie, where did you get uniforms like that? I got them cheap, Curly. They're war surplus from the Greek army. <laughs> hey, let's get on with this game, Phil. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> you gotta get out of here. Yeah, I gotta take my mother-in-law to Sequoia tonight. <laughs> Sequoia? Yeah, we're going deer hunting tomorrow. I bought a round-trip ticket and a one-way ticket. Well, what do you mean? Ain't she coming back with you? I don't think so, Phil. I'm throwing antlers on her hunting cap. <laughs> Look, Artie, get back there and forget it now. We got to get ready for this game. Hey, Phil, Woody Herman's here. He wants to see you. Hey, fellas, here's Woody. Hi, Woody. Hey, Woody. Hey, Woody. Well, the old wood chopper, huh, Woody? Well, we took your call seriously, and what do you got on your mind, Pop? Well, Phil, there's been a slight change in plans. You're not going to play Harry James. We're not? No. We figured you and your boys aren't quite ready for such stiff competition. Oh, but Woody, we counted on playing today. Oh, you're going to play all right. Oh, we are? Yep, after going over the list and considering the kind of shape your boys are in, we've got just the team for you. Oh, gee, good. Who are they? Phil Spitalny and his all-girl orchestra. <laughs> Oh, Woodrow. Is that you, Phil? Yeah, yeah, honey, it's me. Well, come on in the living room and tell me all about the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, the game. Uh-huh. Did you beat Harry James's boys? Boys? Well, well, honey, uh, you see, we didn't exactly uh, play a uh, boy. I mean, uh, Harry James's boys. Oh, you didn't? No, we played uh, uh, 
A different sort of team. Oh, I see. Well, what was the score? 47 to nothing. 47 to nothing? Why, Phil, your, your boys must have chased that team all over the field. Well, we tried to, but they had baseball bats. <laughs> well, the other team couldn't have been very good. What kind of shape were they in? Shape? <laughs> oh, um, just, um, just a usual shape. <laughs> usual shape? Yeah, you know, a standard model. <laughs> I'm very proud of you, Phil, running up a score like that. Yeah, honey, we did pretty good. And I was dynamite with that bat. Man, they threw that first Hello, Mommy. We're home. Oh, hello, kids. Hey, where they been, Alice? Oh, they wanted to see the game, so sister took them down to watch you play. Oh, Harris, drop dead. (laughs) Daddy played with girls. Daddy played with girls. Now cut that out. Now cut it out. What is this? Oh, I might as well tell you. We played Phil Spitalny's all-girl orchestra. All-girl orchestra? Is that right, kids? Daddy, kiss the picture. Daddy, kiss the I picture. I did not. Daddy, kiss the picture. This is the funniest thing I ever heard. Well, don't laugh. It isn't funny. But, Phil, it wasn't very manly of you to beat them 47 to nothing. Beat them, she says. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love you, honey, but that isn't true. They picked us off like flies. They ain't been nothing like it since the last grunion run. Well, honey, tell me about it. I don't want to talk about it. I knew we were in trouble from the first inning. Well, what happened? Well, the first girl came up to the plate swinging three bats and Phil's fatality. Oh, Phil, you look exhausted. No, she was exhausted, not me. But look, those girls look so pretty and dainty, and I felt sorry for them, so I pitched a kneesy one up to the harpist. Pretty good-looking chick. And she drove a sizzler right back at me, and the next thing I knew, I was part of the Gillette ad on the left field fence. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad, honey. You did so look forward to this game. Honey, that was no game. That was a regular hour of harm. (laughs) Well, Phil, it isn't as bad as this. All you did was lose a softball game. Well, it wasn't just losing. Something worse than that happened. Gee whiz, honey, I'll never be able to live it down. Something worse? That's right. Now, when I went out on the field... Yes? Evelyn had on a ballerina skirt just like mine. (laughs) Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. In the Easter parade next Sunday, hold your head high, knowing unsightly dandruff can't spoil your appearance. Folks, those embarrassing white flakes on your hair or scalp can be removed completely with Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. For Fitch is guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. It's the only shampoo made who's guaranteed to remove dandruff the first time you use it is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Here's the way Fitch works. First, it penetrates and cleanses the thousands of tiny hair openings on the scalp, dissolving all traces of dandruff. Then it forms a rich lather to float it away. This efficient action leaves your hair and scalp thoroughly clean and completely free of dandruff. Buy an economical bottle of Fitch at drug or toilet goods counters or have professional applications at barber or beauty shops. Use Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo regularly for well-groomed dandruff-free hair. Hair that you will be proud of at all times. Hey, Alice. 
Alice, come here a minute. Yes, Phil? What are you doing wearing my ballerina skirt? Oh, Phil Spitalny just called. He wants me to play second base. Why, Evelyn. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.